Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for joining us for today's podcast from Dublin First Baptist Church in Dublin, North Carolina. We hope you'll be encouraged today as you listen to our message. For more information, please visit our website at www.dublinfbc.org. That's www.dublinfbc.org. Now let's join the congregation of Dublin First Baptist as we listen to the preaching of God's Word. Will you turn to Mark chapter 1? We were in Matthew uh, when Lydia read that in our scripture reading time, but we're going to look at Mark. We're going to start a new series here. I'm excited about it. Uh, Mark is has become one of my favorite gospels. I used to um, I don't know. I, I thought it was kind of odd because it seemed a lot like Matthew. Like, why is God telling us the same thing four different times? Uh, but there's some differences here in, in uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are what is known as the synoptic gospels. That means they contain a lot of the same information, almost really um, in, in the same order. John's a little bit different. He focuses way more on the teaching of Jesus Christ uh, than it is than a, like a list of things he has done or in along with teaching. Uh, even those synoptic gospels, though, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are definitely different. Matthew was written uh, to Jewish people, really focusing on uh, Christ as king, as the promised Messiah. And then uh, Mark is, uh, we're going to find out it's a very quick, uh, short, action-packed type of uh, gospel. And then Luke, he was a doctor, very scientific, very specific. We get details uh, in that gospel. But this is what gospels are. They're the good news of Jesus Christ. It's so much more than a biography. It does tell us who Jesus is, but also what he's done, what he's promised to do for us. And it's the gospel of Jesus Christ, how that we can be saved, how we can, um, as human beings, uh, by God's grace and through faith in Jesus Christ, can be saved from our sins, can be saved from the separation that was caused by those sins uh, and reconciled to God, uh, saved to eternal life, saved to new life. That's ours by faith and what Jesus has done for us and who Jesus is. So the human author here is, is Mark, all right, John Mark. He's the one who wrote this gospel. God inspired him to write every word of it. John Mark's an interesting fellow. We don't know a whole lot about him. We can read about him in the book of Acts. And um, he grew up in Jerusalem, wealthy family. Mom uh, was doing well. We don't know a lot about his dad. Uh, his mom, they allowed the first church in Jerusalem to meet there. Right after Pentecost, they needed a meeting place. They hadn't built anything like this. Uh, and so they met in Mark's home, in the home of John Mark. It's possible also that that was where the Last Supper was. Uh, they rented out the upper room in that home. Um, possibly, Mark was led to faith by Peter in 1 Peter five thirteen. Peter calls him my son, and he knew, we know he wasn't. Uh, his biological son, so he might have helped lead him to the Lord. He's a man that accompanied Paul on at least one missionary journey. And then Barnabas, his cousin was Barnabas, on another uh, missionary uh, journey. He served the Lord with Peter in Rome. And so Mark might have witnessed some of Jesus' miracles. He was from uh, around Jerusalem area, but he's not listed as one of the 12 disciples. So how could he get so specific, like we're going to find here, uh, knowing every little detail that Jesus did? Well, God inspired every word, but it's, it's likely that what we really have before us in the gospel of Mark is the gospel of Peter. 
and that Peter told Mark, and God used uh, um, Peter. God gave his word to Peter. He said, this is what to put in here. And Mark was, I think Mark was much more than a, a amanuensis is what they call him, a, a writer, just a, a person that recorded words. Like if, if Paul was blind or Peter was blind near the end of their life, you know, they told him what to write. Um, but I think he was more than that. But definitely, we, I think we see the, the gospel of Peter here. Either way, it's the inspired word of God for you and I. It's a short gospel. It's not going to take us long to go uh, through it. Uh, More than any other gospel, it focuses on Jesus' deeds and his actions, his miracles, things like that. It's an active gospel. It's a quick gospel. We call it the the straight way because 40 different times, 40 different times in this this book, um, God has Mark use that word, straight way. And straight way they did this, and straight way they did that. And we talked a couple weeks ago on Wednesday about how Jesus Christ is that straight way. It's a narrow way. It's a narrow gate. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So this is the beginning of it. Let's read verses 1 to 8, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John did baptize in the wilderness, and he preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And there went out unto him all the land of Judea, and they of Jerusalem, and were all baptized of him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. And John was clothed with camel's hair and with a girdle of skin about his loins. And he did eat locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, There cometh one mightier than I after me, the latchet of whose shoes I'm not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we look into your word this morning, your Holy Spirit is present here in the lives of believers and present here as we congregate together in a very special way. That's what I love about Sundays. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would have free reign this morning in illuminating the truth of what we're going to look at, but then so much more, not just informing us, but Lord, may your Holy Spirit have free reign and surrendered lives, just as Tenley sang, surrendered lives. Uh, that will be transformed by your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, preparing the straight way, verses 1 to 3. Uh, notice in verse 1, the straight way is recognized. Uh, he gets right into it, and there's no, not much of an introduction. He says, this is the beginning of the gospel, or the good news. That's what gospel means, the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That straight way, the straight way is recognized here. That straight way is Jesus Christ. That's how God has Mark begin. He, Apostle John said the same thing. John 14, 6, right? Jesus said, I am the what? The way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I am that way. There's not uh, different ways. I am the way. And so Mark says the same thing here. This is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news uh, that God has made a straight way for you and I so we could have our sins forgiven. We could be reconciled to a relationship with God, the Father, and to have eternal life forever. In verse 1, he gives us his name. Who is the straight way? It's Jesus. That's the Greek form of the Hebrew uh, name Joshua or Yeshua, which means God saves. It's also Christ. We call him Jesus Christ. Like we just lump it together, like think it's a first and last name. But uh, Christ is the Greek form of the Hebrew word uh, Mashiach or Messiah. He was the promised one that God promised. So this is who he's talking about. This is the gospel. This is, this is the straight way. It's not like a plan. It's Jesus Christ. He is the way. Um, Jesus, God saves. uh, Christ, the Messiah. And then he identifies him as the son of God. So it wasn't just a mere man. It's not just somebody we can look to. Wow, he was good. We should try to live up our lives to him. He lives a good example. No, this is God come in the flesh. That's what was necessary. 
It was necessary for you and I. Because of our sin, we can't redeem ourselves. God had to intervene. God had to come down, and God had to make a straight way. And he did that for us in Jesus Christ. Amen? I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that we have a Savior who did all of this for us. And now it's so important what we see in verse 1, what Jesus has done, what Jesus has promised to do for us. This is God's grace to us, and that's what the gospel is all about. It's our faith in God's grace, our faith in Jesus Christ alone that provides salvation. That's very important to know what the gospel is. Mark wants us to recognize the straight way here in verse 1, and that straight way is Jesus Christ. Now look at the straight way readied, verses 2 and 3. This is the beginning of Mark's gospel, verse 1. Uh, and he keeps on in verse 2 or 3, but this is not the beginning of the gospel. The gospel began in Genesis. The gospel began as soon as you and I needed it. Adam and Eve sinned, and we needed a Savior from our sins. It's in Genesis 3, uh, verse 15, we, we find out that uh, God, after man had sinned and tried to make their own way of dealing with it, someone fig leaves together, hiding, not the best way, uh, God comes and he says to Satan and he says to Adam and Eve, I'm going to put enmity between thy seed and your seed, uh, I'm going to, uh, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise thy heel. Saying that Satan, when you go on the cross, you're going to bruise the heel of Jesus Christ. But did he stay dead? No, he rose in three days, he rose again, and he lives forevermore. Uh, what did Jesus do to Satan there at the cross? He bruised his head. It was a fatal wound. It was done. There's victory over death. There's victory over sin. We can have eternal life in Christ. So way back there in Genesis 3.15, we've got the first gospel. That's the beginning of the gospel. This might be the beginning of the gospel of Mark, but the gospel started way back there. In fact, to theologians, Genesis 3.15 is known as the proto-evangelon, just a fancy word. It means the first gospel, the first good news. And from that scripture on, throughout the passages of even the Old Testament, God began to ready man to encounter his Messiah. Jesus Christ, this straight way. We can come to the last book, a book of Malachi, in Malachi 3.1. It says, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. What do we have here? Uh, Mark 1.2, as is written the prophets, like Malachi. He actually quotes it here. Behold, I will send my messenger before thy face, and he shall prepare thy way before me. So he quotes right there. He's saying, the one that was promised in Genesis, in Isaiah, in Malachi, that would prepare the way for the Messiah, for the Savior, Jesus Christ, that one, he's going to identify him here as John the Baptist. The straight way needed to be readied. Do you know why we need the gospel uh, to be readied in our lives? Because we're sinners. Because we're impudent, we are. We're actively rebellious against God. And even those times when we might think we have it together, before we come to Christ as Savior, we're insensitive to him. We're just like passively not realizing how bad we need salvation. None of us who has been saved woke up one day and said, you know what, today is the day I'm going to become a Christian. Where's the form I need to fill out? right? I mean, no, we had to have God's word come to us. The gospel had to come to us. It might have happened in a day. It might have been the first time you ever heard the gospel, you received it. it. might have been days. It might have been weeks. It might have been years. But God invaded your life. He prepared you. People, he used people to ready that way. It might have been a Sunday school teacher. It might have been a mom and dad. It might have been a friend. But the way for the gospel was readied. We need that. And that's what he's using here. He's using John the Baptist uh, to do that. God has to ready us. God's word has to rescue us. God's Holy Spirit has to regenerate us. It's required. 
Let's look at um, practicing the straight way. Now, you might say practicing. I thought you said that the gospel, being saved, having eternal life, having a relationship with God through faith in Jesus, that's by faith. What are you talking about? Practicing the straight way. Well, saving faith is a practicing faith. Faith is a verb. It's not just a mental ascent. It's a mental ascent that transforms your life because the Holy Spirit comes and lives in you. Uh, Tenley sang about surrender. We're going to sing about surrender later. But the surrender is to the straight way. Look at verse 4. John did baptize in the wilderness, and he preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And there went out unto him all the land of Judea and the of Jerusalem, and they were all baptized of him in the river of Jordan, confessing their sins. Now, if we look just at these verses, if this is all we had of God's word, it would seem to teach that what we do up there is how you are saved. Is that what we believe? No. You're not saved by what we do up there. All right, but it says what it says, verse 4. John did baptize in the wilderness, and he preached a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. The baptism for the remission of sins. We find the same thing in Acts 2.38 when that crowd that Peter's talking to at Pentecost and he's preaching them and, and they're like, oh my goodness, we killed the Messiah. What are we to do? What are we, how are we supposed to respond? And Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the remission of sins. Now we know that's not the case. We know that the rest of Scripture from the Old Testament and the New Testament says, no, we're saved by God's grace alone and that comes only through faith in Jesus Christ. That's how we access God's grace. So what are they talking about here? Does it mean baptism's not important? Is that what we believe? The complete opposite? No, baptism's pretty important. It was so important in preparing the way that it's like part of this guy's name, right? John the Baptist, right? It's pretty important to us too, isn't it? And it should be because it's in God's word. I mean, that's what it says out there. We're not Dublin Community Church. Not that there'd be anything wrong with that, but we're Dublin First Baptist Church. It is important, but we got to make sure we're lining up with what God's word teaches here. All right, so uh, we know that that's not the case, that we're not saved by being water baptized? How do we know that? We can look back to Luke. There's a thief on the cross, right? And he's at the last, last option, last opportunity. And he says to Jesus, Lord, please remember me when you enter your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, um, okay, I will. Let's get off here. Let's go dunk you. And now, is that what he said? No, he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. So what was salvation based on? It was based on faith and God's grace. <laughs> Hands nailed to a cross. Feet nailed to a cross. Couldn't be baptized, couldn't run and do anything for God. Couldn't work for God. Just believe. That's all he could do there. Uh, and so we've already referenced John's gospel back in John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father but by me. It wasn't but by me in baptism. It wasn't but by me in anything else. Jesus said, no, I am the way. So salvation is by God's grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. But that does not mean that salvation is not important. Water baptism is important enough that God's word commands us to be baptized, but this is to take place after repentance. Look back at verse 4. It says, John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of what? What was a baptism? What kind of baptism was it? It was a baptism of repentance. Guess what had taken place before the baptism? Repentance. All right, a turning, that's what repentance is. It's part of faith. Faith is repent and believe, two sides of the same coin, not two steps. It's just turn from your sin. When you do that, you're turning from sin. You gotta turn to something, from sin to God, from rebellion against God to God, from trying to work your way to heaven or not even caring about it to trusting in what Jesus has done for you. That's repentance. And so when you do that, 
Um, when you do that, then water baptism is something that you're supposed to do. That's what John did. He said, repent and be baptized, right? The baptism of repentance. Now it says, for the remission of sins. And that's the part we might get stuck on. Also in Acts 2.38, because that's what Peter says, for the remission of sins. And that's important to understand what that word for means. Small, three letters. Guess what it is in the Greek? Small, three letters, E-I-S, ice. And it can mean this. It can mean on account of or because of. Now let's read it that way. And he preached the baptism of repentance on account of the remission of sins. And he preached the baptism of repentance um, because of the remission of sins. Does that make a little more sense now that no, water baptism is not what saves you? still important, but it's not what saves you. If we go to Peter, same word there, in Acts 2.38, what should we do, they say? And Peter says, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins on account of the remission of your sins. When you repent, your sins are forgiven. That's when it happens. That's when Jesus' blood is dumped on you, not dumped on you there. If you've never repented, all you are there is a wet sinner. All right, so we have to understand, uh, practicing the straight way, what surrender means. Surrender is important because that's what repentance is. When Tanley sang that this morning, that's repentance. That's what it means. She said, uh, I bow. I'm going to probably mess it up. I bow my will to your way. That's following Jesus. That's saving faith. I bow my will to your way or something like that. Um, I might have flipped those around. It's surrender. That's what repentance is. And so then, why do we do it? Well, I mean, God told us to. Uh, baptism's important. Why is it important? Well, it's a symbol. It's a symbol of the surrender that has happened. But repentance is the key part. Repentance is what we need to do. Um, Repentance is a word we don't hear very often anymore. Repentance is something that we used to hold to, Christians. Not just how we came to Christ, but how we continue in Christ. Like, man, this is something I need to do every day. God, is there anything I need to turn from? Progressively uh, make me more and more like you. It's something that you used to hear preach from pulpits and don't hear it as much anymore. And that might contribute to the state our country's in or state our culture's in, the state our church is in today. But the symbol of the straight way is this baptism. He calls us to be baptized in verses 4 and 5. It is a baptism of repentance. The key practice, though, is surrender. And that uh, begins with a surrender of repentance, me turning in faith from sin to God's grace in Jesus Christ. Now, once you have done that, once you have done that, well, then we publicly portray, we publicly preach uh, our continual and lifelong commitment to that repentance. That's what Laney did the other week. That's what Keith and did the other week. That's what Simon and Lydia have done the last year. So many uh, of our young people decide, I'm going to follow the Lord in believer's baptism. I want everyone to know that I've done this, that he saved me, that I've turned from my sin and, and, and turned to, uh, to, to him. I want to publicly preach that. I want that to be a symbol. Now, I've heard many people say, do I need to be baptized to be saved? Do you? Not according to God's word. I've got to be honest, though, I don't really like that question. It's kind of a messed up question, if you ask me. Do I have to be baptized to be saved? No, salvation only comes through surrender to God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. But I think it's a bad question from the start. I mean, you've got a refusal to follow Jesus in something that he has commanded. I, does that sound like surrender to you? I mean, we can add a bunch of other things there. Let's not beat up on people who ain't been baptized, but... Um, do I need to be faithful to the church to be saved? No. What does God command you to do? 
Do I have to do this to be saved? Do I have to give up blank? Put it in there right now. Do I have to give up blank to be saved? Because I know you're asking yourself. I asked myself that. I fought that battle. See how it's kind of a messed up question from the start? But that's not what this is about. <laughs> it's not about what you do. It's not about you earning anything. That's not what grace is. It's about what you get to do. It's not about what you have to do to be saved. That's bondage. That's what you've been saved from. It's about what you get to do. That's the freedom. I get to be baptized. I get to tell everybody about what Jesus did for me. I get to give up blank. I get to come to church. I get to be fed his word. I get to lead my family in worship. I get to do this. It's not a have-to-do type of thing. There's no straight way without surrender. That's how it starts. That's how it sustains. There's no straight way without repentance. That's what saving faith is. Repent and believe. Repent and believe. Like lifelong, continuous repentance and belief. Pointing to the straight way, verses 6 to 8. Here's the proclamation of the straight way. We're going to find very vivid descriptions in Mark. That's how he likes to do. Um, he, he wants to draw our attention. In verse 6, he says, John was clothed with camel's hair and with a girdle of skin about his loins, and he did eat locusts and wild honey. Focus on his diet, focuses on his dress. Kind of odd. I mean, he's here going about the gospel. The gospel, come to Jesus, repent, believe. And then he, in the middle, he starts talking about the preacher's clothes. I hope you all don't do that. Don't talk about what I'm wearing when I leave. <laughs> um, or what I eat. That'd even be worse. <laughs> but he needed to. God points us to this. Why? Do you remember who his parents were? Zacharias and Elizabeth. We hardly ever talk about them except at Christmas, right? Because she found out the same time Mary found out. As she was pregnant with John the Baptist, her cousin being Mary, the mother of Christ. And Zacharias, I mean, noble family. He's a high priest. And it was his turn to go into the Holy Holies uh, that year. So, I mean, he's up there in the whole hierarchy. Think Elizabeth, she's a descendant of Aaron, the first, first priest, way back Moses' brother. Uh, noble family in Israel. And, then, and they're, they're godly. I mean, that's what Luke 1 tells us. Uh, blamelessly walking all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord. They were both promised by God. You're going to have a son in your old age. I know you weren't expecting it. He's going to be mighty. He's going to do mighty things for God. He's going to lead Israel. He's going to make a great impact uh, for God and, and do great things for God in Israel. Now let's read verse 6 again. And John was clothed with camel's hair and with a girdle of skin about his loins. And he did eat locusts and wild honey. What do you think, Mom and Dad? I thought, I had high hopes. <laughs> God, I mean, you promised me he was going to do This is not what I imagined. You know, uh, no priestly vestments, camel hair, no lamb being brought. That's what they offered sacrifices. The people would bring their lamb to offer the sacrifice. The priest, that's what, how God had them to eat. Now he's got, he's eating bugs and honey. No parsonage right next to the tabernacle like Zacharias and Elizabeth lived in. He's hanging at campsite in the wilderness. That's who he is, right? But you know why I think it's important? Because I think God uses that to reinforce the message of repentance. He was calling people to this, and he lived it himself. You know, he wasn't perfect. He wasn't Jesus. But he was a preacher who was like, listen, if I'm going to ask people to do this, uh, you know, to live this way, to turn from sin and forsake everything this world has to offer, I might have to get a little different in what I do, what I eat, what I wear, what I what I think, my values, and we're called to do that too. I'm not telling you to go out and buy camel hair suits um, this afternoon. You just need to be different. You need to be different than the world. You're called to be different. First Peter, that's what God calls us, a peculiar people, some of us more than others. And we don't need to be peculiar for peculiarity's sake. We don't, right? We don't need to be weird just to be weird. 
And we got plenty of Christians that that seems to be their, their mantra. We need to be different. So that our difference should be ba- based on this. This is what, why we should be different. And we're gonna, you, listen, you follow this, church, you're going to be different. If you follow this, you're going to be different. If you follow Jesus, you're going to be different. It was, it was to proclaim. I mean, even in what he wore and what he ate, he proclaimed. It says he preached, verse 7, he preached, saying, There cometh one mightier than I. I'm not even worthy to, wow, for leaders like that, for teachers like that, for pastors like that, that said, I get to preach and prepare the way for him. I get to do that. I'm not even worthy to unbuckle his shoe. You know, they wash uh, feet back then. But like the most menial thing, a Hebrew slave wouldn't even be asked to unbuckle the shoe. They want. Uh, and so uh, he's like, man, even if I'm not even worthy to do that, like that would be a privilege for me to get to go and do. And that John's just by, by saying that he's focusing on the preeminence of Christ. He was better than anything. I don't regret any of the luxuries I left that like normal high priest son and, and, and uh, you know, ordained high priest would get to do. I don't care anymore. I get, to, I get to, to prepare the way and point to Jesus to show the preeminence of the straight way. In verse 8, it says, I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. You know, the baptism of John the Baptist was a little bit different than even the baptism we do here. Jesus hadn't come yet. All right, he's gonna, we're going to look at that next week. He gets baptized. It was still pointing to a Messiah who came, who, or who is coming. Uh, ours, when we get baptized, we're, we're pointing to our belief and our faith and our trust in a Messiah who came and who's coming again. All right, so a little bit different, but really symbolizing the same thing, symbolizing repentance and, and new life. But um, what he's talking about here is the Holy Spirit baptism. That happens when you repent, when you turn to Christ, when you get saved. That moment, the Holy Spirit comes and lives in you, and he's there forever. He's indwelling you. Now, you can be filled to different degrees based on what you decide to do with your life, but he's there. You'll never leave him. That's what Jesus promised. I'm going to send you another comforter, and he'll be with you forever. He's going to teach you all things. He's going to stay with you right by your side. That's what's beautiful about being in the church because we get to experience like the, the congregate communal manifestation of that. God's spirit in here uh, working in our lives. And so um, he says, when that happens, that's the Holy Ghost baptizing you with fire, as it said in Matthew and other places. But we're still called to do that afterwards um, because of what it symbolizes. Symbolizes surrender. Look, I don't know uh, if you've ever surrendered to Christ. Without anybody watching on uh, our live stream, or even there might be one here who's never in their life surrendered to Jesus Christ. They've never repented and believed. Don't wait. Uh, God promises you grace for your repentance. New life, eternal life. He doesn't promise you tomorrow for procrastination. Don't wait. Don't let it uh, another day go by. Turn to him this morning. If you've got questions about that, as we sing a song of invitation here in a minute, uh, I'd love for you to, you can come down. I'll explain it to you. If you, you want to get me afterwards, you can get afterwards. On the back of your bulletin, it says how to be saved on our website. and answers questions. But I want you to know that you know that you have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus. You have eternal life and a home in heaven. Christian, is there anything in your life that you haven't surrendered? I mean, that's what we're talking about here. Uh, how we came to Christ. Um, back when you did repent, is, is God calling you now to continue to live in repentance to him because there's something you took back. There's something that's just hard to let go of. And you want to be free of it this morning. God promises if you confess and repent of that sin, he'll freely forgive you. He'll cleanse you from that sin and he'll place you back on that straight way. 
Christian? Is the words that you say and the things you do, is it pointing others to Christ? Are you being used like John the Baptist was to prepare others to receive Christ? I mean, you might not be the one that gets to seal the deal or actually see them come to faith, but you don't know what that little gospel tract does that you left at, you know, San Jose. So simple, you know. Hey, man, God's got a plan for your life. You don't know what he'll do with that. Uh, you would be used to God to prepare the way. Um, however God's calling you to respond this morning, uh, I just ask that you'd obey. Tommy.